Uh, oh, there we are. We are live. I am so excited to have you guys here today. Travis, Emma, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this for us. Um, we'll let more friends join us live. Uh, but if you guys want to start, you know, before we get everyone on here, maybe just spend a bit of time, not necessarily on the business. I want to hear just like two minutes from you guys. Like, what do you do? What do you like to do? What is your vision? Just fun stuff like that that you usually don't share on a on a resume or in a podcast. Travis, I'll let you share. Uh, <laughs> of course you will. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I've been in the payment space for about 20 years now at Cambridge Commerce. And um, Em and I kind of just connected, uh, just working together as you know, client. And she was working through some some challenges and some struggles when she was uh, working with a, a former company on launching a supplement offer uh, from Puerto Rico and had kind of some some nuances on how to kind of put everything together. And uh, we kind of hit it off from there as we were going through some of the details. Um, I'd say in my spare time, uh, I like to do a little bit of working out, some CrossFit type of stuff. And uh, I don't know, been married for about 20 years and I uh, have twin daughters that are 14, just turned 14. So 14 now, no yeah. way, you're that, that, that. <laughs> It just doesn't add up. I had the same reaction when Emma told me uh, some of her personal stuff. But Emma, tell us a bit about you as well, please. Sure. So um, I haven't been married nearly as long. <laughs> we have a blended family of four kids, all grown. Uh, our youngest are in college. Uh, the oldest has a wife and a baby. So um, excited to have you. I, don't, I got some feedback. Sorry. Um, in my spare time, I like to hurt my back doing. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, you guys are here talking about CrossFit. I'm in my computer. I mean, in my um, in my office in front of the computer all day. So I'm obviously the you know the slug of the group, but that's okay. I always I, I when the when everything is clear with the pandemic, I'll start working out. That's, yeah. that's the first thing you can say, right? Because it, it's the timing is now. Like you don't even have to wait until Monday to to do it. But uh, I find, I mean, honestly, uh, when you have little kids, just life is rough. And so, uh, tremendous amount of respect for you on how you put together. You're running your company and doing all this stuff and family and little kids. It's it's a lot. So kudos, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's fun, uh, but thank you for saying that. I think once you're a parent, you get it. <laughs> uh, um, my, my son is four and a half now, so it's, it's, it's I'm really lucky. My, my husband is a stay-at-home dad, so that uh, that helps a lot, right? Um, Definitely, yeah. Well, we already have a bunch of our friends that joined live. Thank you, guys. Hi. Nice to hear from you. Uh, all right. So um, I will let you guys talk to us a bit about your topic. I have some really fun questions. And full disclosure to everyone uh, zooming in and pinging us in, uh, Travis and Emma don't have the questions that I'm going to ask them later, right? I can ask anything I want, and we are live. So that's going to be very interesting. Sorry, guys. I promise. We're good. I, no, I, anybody who knows me is excited for this. 
So I, I'll, I'll save all those for a bit later. But first, I'll, you guys are the experts, right? We had a lot of people um, on the podcast and on our webinars that were targeting and helping our affiliates, which was wonderful. But we have so many product owners, so many affiliates that now want to become product owners. They want to create their own products. So this is really a really fun topic. And I personally am very excited for to learn a bit more about the next step, right? You put in the work, you created a really fun offer, uh, you got some traffic because maybe you have affiliate friends, maybe you can do the traffic yourself. How do you scale? So you guys can uh, talk to us and give us some really fun insights on how to scale an yeah, offer. Fantastic. Um, Emma and I always kind of approach things from a little bit different perspective, I think. And it's kind of fun uh, dynamic that I feel like we kind of put together. Um, so I tend to look from looking towards like the end in mind, like where is a company going to be? What's the, what's the objective? How you, how are you putting, you know, where do you want to be in three months, six months, a year from now? And I think a lot of times my impression is a lot of people are like, well, I want to run this offer. I've got this great product and let me just throw it up there and see what happens. <laughs> and that, um, that can work out, but generally it's got a lot of challenges and problems that uh, people run into without anticipating what those things are going to be. And so I think that's a fun dynamic that we're hoping to kind of cover today on what are those things to anticipate, what are the problems so that you can avoid stepping into a hole or walk around it or walk over an obstacle that you might not have anticipated previously. Um, Emma, is there any other thoughts that you want to kind of throw in on how we approach stuff? Um, no, I, I think you pretty much covered that well we just we i look at it so travis talked about how he looks at it i look at it as from an operational standpoint what are conversion killers travis Gomez is a conversion killer um and and so how can now that we've put together so many offers and build so many funnels together and just work through i can now look at it from day one and say hey this is going to cost us three months and $50,000 if we don't do this one little thing right now, because we're not going to be able to scale the mids or we're not going to be able to get merchant accounts moved from Stripe and PayPal. We're not going to be able to fulfill these orders when they do. And so I'm able to look at that after working with him for so long and work in an appropriate manner because too many people will throw up an offer and I'll worry about it's compliant if it works. I'll worry about getting enough mids if it works. I'll worry about having enough products if it works. And then it works and it's on something like MaxWeb or another network and it's gaining tons of traction and they have to stop and they have to hold. <laughs> and then what happens? Do you ever see the offer again? No, you don't. You never see the offer again because they, they blew it in the tank. And so we're looking from day one, how do we get you your offer on a platform in an appropriate way so that you can scale it later? And then when do we make that pivot to scale it once you've got the traffic? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. That's that's fantastic. I mean, I'm sorry. I promised I won't interrupt you guys, but uh, we don't we don't often get partners that talk about this on on the podcast and on our webinars. So it's great because the way we look, uh, I don't want to say it's tunnel vision, right? Because we have a bunch of brilliant, open-minded people in this space. Right. But either look at it from a perspective, okay, we're going to get traffic, or the other perspective, I just need to create a good offers and traffic will come. But there's so much more, right? Yeah. 
So totally. someone like Emma that can see that, sorry, Travis, I, I know you do too, but um, it's fantastic. Um, thank you. This is really exciting. Well, I can anticipate things from operations, logistics, manufacturing, fulfillment, customer service, and Travis is the money guy. And neither <laughs> works without the other. And so we work with people all the time where it's, you know, if, if they're a copywriter offer owner, the only thing you need is the copy gods. If, right. <laughs> <laughs> if there's someone who comes from an admin ops side, they think that's all they need. If it's someone that comes from a finance side, they think that, and the reality is, is you need the appropriate amount Everything. of layers. And yeah. one of the dynamics that I think is very funny about Shockwave Solutions is we often have to tell new clients like, hey, we're getting on a call with you to talk this out. Me and Travis are going to fight through this whole call. <laughs> Just sit back. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're friends. But I'm arguing from a point of conversions, marketing, and operations. And he's arguing from a, hey, no ankle bracelets. Hey, we need to be able to have merchant accounts. Hey, this has to be legal. This has to be compliant. The FDA, the FDC, all of that. And so many people make that mistake of PCI compliance, FDA compliance, like there's a gazillion different, you know, acronyms I can throw out there. They don't think any of it's important until they're at scale. And then the problem is, is we have clients regularly that come to us because they hit a massive scale mm. and they're not compliant and it'll kill their conversions. And they're Some like, I, yeah. I, when you're there, you're like, I can't work backwards now. I can't mm -hmm. work backwards and retest everything. So it just makes sense to, from day one, be setting yourself up for, you don't have to throw tons and tons of money at it. It doesn't cost $150,000 to get an, up an offer, but spending that little bit of time understanding what planning. is, right, planning is everything. Yeah. We take 30 days to plan out a funnel before we start working on it. And it's where are we going to be in 30 days? Where are we going to be in three months? Where are we going to be in 90 days? And where are we going to be five years from now? And then we start all the way five years from now. Are we going to have digital products and add supplements? Are we going to have supplements and add digital products? So when we're applying for merchant accounts, we're thinking about where we're going to be five years yeah. from now and making sure that they're set up with merchant accounts. They're going to allow all those things. So they don't have to redo everything. Yeah. So they don't have to redo yeah. everything. And the other side to that is manufacturing and fulfillment. A lot of people are like, let me get whoever I can get <laughs> right now, right the second at the cheapest possible cost. And then what happens is, you know, you, you throw out 30,000 units and they can't scale with you or uh, the copywriter. <laughs> On the specifics, that's what, you know, and sorry for any ignorant questions. I'm going to just yeah. pretend one of the affiliates that is going to start an offer tomorrow. Um, I have the money. I have the capital. I have a bunch of friends that are going to mail the offer for me. Um, tell us the secrets. Like Emma and Travis, when you look at the offer, some of the like very specific things you look at. So fulfillment, I'm understanding it's one of the important ones, right? Ma manufacturing more than fulfillment. Um, okay. Fulfillment is important, but manufacturing more. So you'll find that a lot of, yeah. I'll let you jump in, Travis, but I find that a lot of copywriter owners really want those 
custom formulas that they have to have manufactured. It's completely customized. They went on some wormhole and found some raw materials that they really want to write citations. Fell in with. love with. Yeah. Fell in love with. And, and they wrote this beautiful piece of copy that took them three to six months. But then guess what happens? They can't get one of the raw materials for eight weeks, right? So it takes eight weeks and it takes five to six weeks to manufacture it. So that means that you have to have the capital to have the amount of bottles sent to fulfillment before the offer ever came out and put a new order in before you even know if it works. Like they just don't think about the logistics of that. The bottlenecks that come up. Yeah. Right. So they, they order 10,000 units and then, you know, Maxwell throws it up and it scales like crazy. Great. That's awesome. But now I have no more bottles and the affiliates have moved on to something else. And by the way, I still have to pay for my CRM. I still have to pay for my has offers or cake. I still have to pay for my merchant accounts to be running. I still have to pay for all these things, but I ran out of bottles because I couldn't take the time to think through the planning of manufacturing. And then fulfillment is just basically if I'm, it's a real simple question. If I'm selling 250,000, and this is always my question, if I'm selling 250,000 units per month, can your operations handle that? And they're all going to say yes, because everybody says yes. Yeah. And, then you, and then you ask them to walk you through that. And you want to hear certain key points. And I mean, that's a conversation I can talk about for hours, but you want to hear certain key points that they actually have a system for smaller people, middle ground people, and then mm -hmm. larger people. You want to hear that there's a difference with how they treat your products and your account today and how they do it later. And then tiers, yeah. the final thing before I let Travis jump in on manufacturing fulfillment, so many people will be working with a manufacturer that they didn't visit prior. And that is a very foolish decision. Um, walking through your manufacturer, understanding it doesn't, it takes a, you know, 30 minute YouTube hole of, you know, man, <laughs> manufacturing nightmares to know what to look for that they don't do. Right. And then just walking through, is it clean? When I walk through the manufacturing area, did they make me put a coat on? Did they make me put booties over my <laughs> shoes? Did I wear a mask? Was I just able to free rein walk around? I've seen them that they've done that. Right. And so I would never want my products going out because the reality is, is it's your product. You're responsible. When the lawsuit hits, it's your company name. That's at the top of there. So making sure that you've done your due diligence and made sure that your manufacturer is, you know, working appropriately and, you know, has the right certifications. Go ahead, Travis. I just, I feel like we kind of switched roles a little bit, you and I there, because, <laughs> because on some level, like um, Emma's really focused on making things work and how to make them work too. And at the same time, like, I'm always like, you know, this challenge, this challenge, like, here's all the problems that can come up and. And, and it's like, um, you know, there's different mindsets that people can put on when they're launching a campaign. And so, um, you know, on some level, like I've, I've been told, <laughs> like I scare people, right? Because it's like, all he gives, oh, is, here's, all this, here's 12 problems. problems. Yeah, here's 12 <laughs> problems. I can't stand that. Don't give me problems. Give me solutions. And don't give me 12 ideas of solutions. Give me two things and then tell me which one you'd go with. And so, well, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have these conversations a lot where he'll go, but this could happen, but that could happen. But it's actually a really good dynamic because. Give me some examples. I would love to hear some examples, Travis, of like sure. 
that you see and you're like, oh my gosh, this is bad. We cannot do this. Um, so, I mean, little things like, um, and, and there are ways. So this is the thing, like this is like Emma's and I, and my thing is like, is um, I'll present lots of different ways to solve it, but I don't necessarily push a particular solution or, or, or suggestion necessarily. Like, I don't know, like one thing that comes up from a processing perspective, a lot of people don't think let's, about let's, is. Let's talk about uh, continuity. That's, I think that's like a big topic for okay. people. Let's talk about, so continuity is a big issue for us. I want continuity because anybody who knows anything and Travis knows nothing when it comes to continuity. Okay. Um, anybody who knows anything knows that continuity will really be the difference between an offer that you're making money on and you're just skimming by every month. You're paying, right. you know, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. If I'm, I think that's how the saying goes, but it, that's really the difference. So we've got to make continuity work, but mm -hmm. we've got to make it work in a sustainable way where you're not going to cause a bunch of chargebacks and cause your merchant accounts to get shut down and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So this is where Travis will go, but this, but that. But this, but that, and I'll let him walk through that now. I just want to set that up. Yeah. So, because because you know, I'm working with a client right now who um, set up on Square because it was easy and simple, and then finds out that they got dun, their account dun, closed dun. down yeah. <laughs> because dun, dun, dun. always because Square doesn't like continuity, right? And so that's part of the thing is is what what partner are you working with the right partners that are going to support where you want to go? So it's one thing to say, hey, we're launching an offer, and maybe we're just doing a one three six package with a couple upsells on the back end, fine. And then transitioning from that to a subscription model or opt-in model or trial offer, which is really hard for payment processors to kind of hate it. Um, you know, each of those different models have different types of risks associated with them. And so the processors look at it from different perspective and different mindset. So knowing who you're working with, um, if you're gonna launch with Stripe or you're gonna launch with Square, because it's easy and simple, it might work just to get up and going, but the question is, is it going to help you accomplish what your objective is in three months or six months if your offer is killing it? And does it support the subscription continuity when you're ready to roll that out? Um, or if you launch with that, you know, so, so it's, there's different strategies that I'll work with the clients based on where they're at and their projections, where they, where they want to be, what their plan is for releasing products. If they want to build um, an email list, you know, there's lots of different ways to engage your customers. And so I love to kind of go through what's the, what's the vision that they have for, am I just selling a product mm -hmm. and that's it? Or no, I have like, this is kind of the starting block of what I want to launch into. And I'm going to start here, but I want to be able to bring out these other products or maybe a whole series or brand, you know, so depends what, what their objective is. Um, but I love to, to start there because then it helps clarify what the, what the path forward is. Yeah. So I think maybe a good way for us to kind of navigate through this conversation today is, is maybe talk in a couple of different chunks. One is from the perspective of I'm an affiliate and I want to launch my first product, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that'll be really helpful to go through that and some of the things that they can do from preparing to be successful as a, as a rollout. Um, so we can go through that. And then I think we can also address it from people who might be a little bit more experienced or have launched some products before and they know exactly what they're doing on the traffic side and then talking through the logistics of a longer term branded or vision of a uh, you know, multi-product, multi-extension type of campaign. Does that make sense? What do you think of that, Emma? Yeah, I think that's great. So start with new affiliate. Um, or yeah, and, yeah. and the, the obvious choice when you're an affiliate is 
I want to be an offer owner. I hear it mm -hmm. all the time from, right. from affiliates right. we work with. You don't want to be an offer owner, by it's the so way. Easy. It's so, so easy. It's so much work. What's wrong with these idiots? <laughs> like I'm running offers right. and then. We actually have clients of ours who started out as offer owners and figured out that the <laughs> responsibility, the liability, all of it was too much. And they went backwards, not backwards, but they went, they became media buyers. And then they were right. like, well, we want to scale this. So they became a media buying agency. But anyway, so you're an affiliate and you know how to get traffic. So you want an offer. From an affiliate aspect, I I would say that the vast majority of them will find a white label product mm -hmm. that they can. Yeah. I mean, they already know how to rip landing pages, how to get them up. They know what they're supposed to look like. So it's not crazy difficult. But what I do see from the affiliate aspect, whenever I see affiliate offers, they're, and just being honest, they're generally like a one and done. Like you'll see them, they'll come up, they'll sell a bunch of products and then all of a sudden they disappear and I'll, you know, on, I'm on a billion different Facebook groups and the biggest issue is they can't process money. Exactly. And they, they always processing. have processing. How do I go about that? And uh, I would love to hear your opinion on what would you advise them? Right. Cause I have a few options, but I'm sure there are more out there. Yep. So there's a bunch of options and I'm going to let Travis take it. But um, the, the first step to any of this is, is like we've been saying all along is the planning. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And ju jumping on, and we've actually seen this, jumping on a PayPal account that's your personal account and then trying to run $10,000 through it is not the way to do it. It's a quick way to get shut down and probably never be able to get uh, PayPal processing again. But um, just taking through, like Travis was saying, where do you want to be? What do you want to do with the software? Do you want continuity? Do you not want continuity? And a lot of these people are not in the United States. So that presents a whole mm -hmm. new set of challenges. And one of the things that I absolutely love is when Shockwave started a year ago, we're just a little over a year old. When we started a year ago, one of our first clients was a client out of the US. And so it started yeah, with yeah. the two, uh, two of us um, sitting down and going, well, how do we do this? It's impossible to, we have a bank account in the United States. We have a corporation, uh, in an incorporation in the United States. They have an office in the US. They have three, $4 million in processing power in the US. And it, was, it wasn't simple, but at this point, it's a simple thing now. We know exactly what to do and how to implement it. So making sure that you have the funds and the capital because that's the other problem let yeah. me go ahead and throw this up there Choose because it. it's going to make me so much money and then i can pay for all this stuff no that's not how it works <laughs> you will run out of money the banks are going to hold the money on you paypal's going to hold it for months and months and months stripes are going to hold it for months and months and months they're going to shut you down you're not going to be able to process so i'll let travis yeah. take it from here on what affiliate should do to get started to get started on processing? Yeah, so uh, from a processing perspective, I mean, I, one of the questions I get a lot of times or the circumstances that I encounter from a payments perspective is people will start with Stripe and then they think, okay, well, I can scale from my Stripe account or my Pay PayPal or Square or whatever, and then I'll go get a real merchant account, um, you know, kind of graduate into that a little bit. Um, and that can work, but it limits the ability to scale. Um, most of what I'm going to talk about is from the perspective of setting up merchant processing or credit card processing in the United States. One, because it's what I'm most familiar with. And two, um, 
I feel like there's a, a, a good number of options and the terms tend to be a little bit better when it comes to launching and scaling overall. Um, so one of the, the downsides that I think a lot of people don't think about with when you go to apply for a merchant processing account, like I, I can start out with a new company who has no history, but it's a brand new company with decent credit and financials, um, bank statements, and get accounts where they can get $100,000 in processing right out the gate. But if I've got a, a, somebody who started with like Stripe and they kind of tested for a little bit and they've got like maybe 10 or 15,000 in sales and they're like, all right, this is working. I'm ready to, to go. The problem that most processors will have is that then when they look at the history from Stripe, it only shows 10 to $15,000 in sales. Right. And so a new processor, when they look at that history, they go, great, we're going to give you $25,000. Woo. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and that's not that's not that's not enough to scale. That's it's not, not enough to scale at all. Yeah. So generally, I think if if you know that offer is going to work, you probably need about a quarter million to to really get through the initial phase of scaling, and then give you an opportunity to scale at least that that amount of capacity. I don't play that game, by the way. I'll just pause you for a second because he loves to say, "If you know an offer is going to work from a merchant account prospect, yeah, <laughs> no one knows an offer is going to work. That's ridiculous. You can literally have the best copywriter in, you know, in the niche. I've seen it. I have to agree with them. I've seen yeah. it. Brilliant. Fifty thousand dollars copywriter. I know. I, I've, I've also seen. I've also seen someone rip someone else's offer almost identical that was doing unbelievable and then that offer tanked completely so you can't say that what you need to say to yourself um those of you out there thinking about it am i in this until i get an offer that mm. works because you don't know whether an offer is that you you think you have right. the best idea in the world 10 people had it before you i promise so you have to think yeah. of when you put something out there when you know what you're doing, one out of four times it works. Be prepared, be mentally prepared, be financially prepared for it not to work right. and to have to adjust and change. It doesn't mean that you can't make the offer work. Through testing, through split testing, through recreating the big idea, through recreating the color scheme sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's the freaking color scheme. The color scheme, excuse me, what? Don't use brown. Don't, yeah. I, I actually, so... Fun, fun fact, Adam Pivko owes me $1,000 because I actually made, I've been working on this for two years. Adam Pivko bet me that I could not make any other color be, uh, or I, I couldn't make brown be any color. Like brown was always going to fail miserably. For the, the order button? For the order button. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Or the fonts. So I made brown work, but I had to make the... <laughs> The, te the test that I put it against was this horrible bright red that you couldn't even read. <laughs> <laughs> but I won, and that's all that matters. It's tempering that's with all that matters. But back, yeah. sorry, that was that was I had, I had no Adderall today. It was an ADHD moment. Sorry. Um, but anyway, the, the colors can make it not work. One photo, one stock photo up at the top that just turns people off. Yeah. It's very odd on what turns people off, and knowing how to look at the data and read the data can allow you to pivot, right? But you can't say, and I'm sorry, Travis, um, uh, Adam Pivko, you get to jump on this conversation. I love that someone tagged him. And um, in, in in Adam Pivko is one of my heroes. But in any event, um, 
when you're when you're looking into it, when you're going through it, the best ideas can and will fail. And mm-hmm. so what you want to ask yourself and Travis has a point, but what you want to ask yourself is, am I in this till it works? And if you are, then Travis, now you can take it. Sorry, I had to throw that out. There. Yeah, no, and I, look, and this is the thing that I love about working with Emma is we'll come up with conversations and ideas. And the beautiful thing is, it's got to take a punch. Like if your idea can't handle a punch, it's not that strong of an idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, okay. you know, when we talk about fighting it out with clients, like we'll exactly do this because we want the strongest idea and the best idea to win. Right. And so there's not like an ego. There's not a pride. It's like, look, if it works, it works. That's what we're about mm-hmm. results. And so, so I love, I love, I mean, that, that's a little flavor of, of how we walk through things, but I know you can't, you can't be, predict whether a campaign is going to be work or not. But to Emma's point, like, and I'll, and I'll clarify, because you can go in with a mindset like this is going to not necessarily work. So I know that I'm going to test this and this and this, and it's going to probably fail two, three, four times. But I know it's going to work because I've either gone through it. I know what it takes to make an offer work and to go through those variations, mm-hmm. or I'm committed enough and all scrappy enough, you know, to make it, to figure it out and keep running it until I do. Right. And I think that's a different, you know, it's a different type of mindset as you're approaching a campaign. Um, and it's one of the things like when people who run a successful offer or a successful company in the past, they come in with a little swagger. They're like, I got this. I know what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> and just like, you know, anybody who's, who's launched one, you know, that you just never know if it's actually going to work. But if you're committed and you're willing to do that. Yeah do what it takes to make it work or continue to work too, through it. Too many yeah. times we've seen someone put an offer out there and it had a mm-hmm. little bit of traction, but it didn't, wasn't a home run right away. So it's, let me go pout in the corner and now I got to go write a whole new thing on a whole new product and a whole new this. And whole, you put so much energy in it. Why wouldn't you, you know, work through Spend it? Spend some time to make, tweak it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Like it makes no sense. When we sit down and we create an offer, we think about, like, what are we going to split test? And honestly, like some people get it set in their head and they're not going to do any variation of, I write down about 40 or 50 things that I'm going to split test. And depending on what the first set of split tests say, those are the only things set in stone, depending on what they show and say, then I'll move on mm-hmm. um, and, and continue to move on. And so yeah, it's it's about are you in it for the long haul? But Travis, so let's get back on topic. Yeah. Next step. Now you're saying to yourself, I'm in this until this works. And right. then and then you. So yeah, and then so I I would I would probably like if that's the commitment, then I'd actually go through the process of making sure you have what you need to set up merchant processing. Ideally, in my preference, the United States, I mean, that's generally the biggest market um, that people are targeting and want to get into. Um, and so setting up merchant processing in the U S allows, uh, a little bit cleaner, higher conversion rate on transactions, it, um, higher approval rates on the credit card transactions, uh, lower fees because people aren't paying international fees from the U S to, to make an international purchase. So there's a lot of, a lot of benefits to it, but there's a little bit of obstacle as far as planning and the preparation to, to do that before you launch. Um, basically Visa MasterCard require that you, you do three things in the U S you've got to have a U.S. company or some form of an entity within the United States. Mm-hmm. I know this is not always possible for international affiliates, but setting up a company in the United States, setting up a bank account 
in the United States. And, and that's really more of a logistic reason because um, they all transfer funds via uh, National Automated Clearinghouse, which is basically like an infrastructure within the U.S. So each country tends to have their own infrastructure for passing transactions, um, you know, uh, ACH type of transactions. Um, so it's got to be in the United States and then a bank account in the United States. And then the third thing is a physical location. Um, and this is kind of important because it can't really be like a P.O. box. It can't be usually like a Regis office sometimes, but not really. Like they want to actually be able to sometimes meet and sometimes they'll send out like a site inspector to go meet the person who's signing the application. And is by the way, Travis says sometimes, Travis says sometimes, and he, it, it doesn't happen all the time. I hear this from him all the time, but every time we've set up merchant accounts. Every time, every, just certain every processors. Single, every, well, you keep bringing the same processors into this. Yes, every right. single time <laughs> we have set up clients on a merchant account, I have met with them or someone has met with them. They have yeah. come and they have done a site inspection. So yeah, um, they, we can attest to that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All these brokers are like, oh yeah, no bullshit. They show up, <laughs> they show up, be, be prepared for them to show oh, yeah. up. And by the way, as the offer owner, you don't have to be the person that meets them. So right. I have, I have personally met, I, and I'm not an offer owner for any of these. Um, I've personally met, or someone that I've uh, that we've employed has personally met with the processors and walked through with them. It's not the site inspections are not difficult. It's yeah. not even the processor. It's a third party that's right. coming out to make sure that you're not in an empty. Yeah, you're not in an empty yeah, apartment with a mattress on the floor, and you've got <laughs> sixteen yeah. people from God knows where living in the house. We actually had that happen, but um, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, like that's all they're looking for is that you're, you know, that that person that you've listed as your CEO really can show up at that office, whether it be a home office. Mm -hmm. we've, done, we've, we've done both a home office where, you know, you hire someone to be your CEO for 350, 400 bucks a month. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. All right, so, <laughs> but, any well, question, so uh, which I think it's going to be super helpful. And I apologize. I just don't want to wait until the end because yeah. it's perfect timing. And I got this question yeah. a lot. Uh, I We have a lot of friends. You know, we help with payment processing when needed. And right. so, so let's say uh, you get the question, Travis, Emma. Um, I am deciding between getting a merchant account, having my own mids, or going with a platform like ClickBank or BuyGoods or right. Digistore, what do you advise? Like, I know it's up to them, but maybe for the people listening, give us a bit as to pro and cons to, to both. Because, you know, we have friends that do both. We have friends that help with mids. We have friends that, you know, right. work again at ClickBank or BuyGoods or Digistore. So I would love your, you know, your input as to the pro and cons to the two. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Question. I'm gonna go first because Travis has a way better answer. So Travis isn't just a managing partner at Shockwave. He's also VP of something at um, Cambridge Commerce, which is his actual full time position. So he literally sets up merchant accounts as a broker for a living. Um, oh, for me, so, my, so his his answer is way better than mine. <laughs> my answer is always set up your own merchant accounts. You don't have to navigate through how do I deal with them putting limitations on this and how do I deal with them telling me I can't say that and how do I, and you still have to deal with that with the 
merchant processors, but it's there's a much different dynamic when you right. have your own merchant processing. There's a different dynamic in being capable of scaling. There's a different dynamic of being capable of adding new products. There's a different dynamic of control that you have than on you know those other guys. But Travis, you go ahead because you have a different answer. Well, and I think I think it really kind of depends too. Like again, what's the goal? Like where 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 are you heading? Right. So if you're if you're launching um, supplements and uh, you know info products and that kind of stuff, you know actually ClickBank's a very very solid solution. It's a great solution. Um, Digistore, I'm less familiar with. I know it's out there, but I'm less familiar with that specifically. Um, and I don't think those are bad options. I think it kind of depends on you know what control do you want to have. So if you don't really understand like the difference of you know what things you what variables you want to be able to test compliance elements that those that those platforms require specifically um, or limitations that they have or load times or, you know, cause this is one of the things I, I hear complaints about on certain platforms is like uh, the load time, you know, uh, or sometimes you get a little bit of conversion uh, reduction um, when you're switching from a domain from your product where, where you're marketing it to, you know, the checkout page, the hosted payment page, and it's a different domain. Um, so those types of things sometimes have an impact. And so if you if you really want to, Make sure that you're optimizing what you're doing, having all the systems in place, having your own processing, having your own uh, your own, your own platform, if you will, um, mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. But if you don't want to spend the time or you're not sure about what to do, I don't think those are bad options to start with. I think that's actually a, a pretty reasonable place to kind of get your your uh, teeth wet. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but you know, to to take a bite, right? To to get started, that's not a bad option, I think. Yeah, um, and the. I think it's the risk just personally from what I've seen, right? We, we've seen it all the last 16 years now. Um, and I think it's a bit on, on the risk. If you're not very serious about this whole product owner thing and you're just giving it a try, right. uh, you know, let someone handle the refunds and the chargebacks and the chargeback mitigation. Obviously not, you know, it, it doesn't do any service to our friends at uh, Buy Goods or ClickBank or Digistore. See, I, right. I just have a completely, I just, I'm going to argue with that all day. I just, I'm going to argue with that all day. Because if you don't know how to handle the refunds or the chargebacks, you don't belong being an offer owner. You should know that first. Like that's, <clears throat> that's the first thing is understanding what causes, I, understanding what causes those chargebacks intimately. Yeah. Sure. That's helpful, that's, but that's I have, happy, but that's step one. When you're sitting and you're planning out your copy and your marketing and all that other stuff, having all of that in the back of your head, knowing how to handle chargebacks, sure, knowing yeah. how to knowing how to recognize why our customers refunding, and if you're separated from that, you can't, in my opinion, you can't build an offer that's truly going to scale because Sustain. you don't understand what the problem is with your offer. Yeah. So, so if you don't understand that. If, if you don't, you may not as well understand how to even, you know, ship something out. That is, it is so important to be intimately, have an intimate understanding of customer, customer support in itself. I would recommend to you, anyone who is going to jump into this, go, even if it's just for like 30 days, don't tell them you're doing this, obviously, but even if it's just for like 30 days, go to one of these customer support platforms that all of the uh, direct response marketers use because you'll actually understand how the marketing works, how the chargebacks are tracked, how the refunds are tracked, how uh, they talk to 
customer support talks to, um, I'm sorry, uh, the marketing team to relay information like, hey, we have a lot of customers. You added stock mm -hmm. up last month and we have a lot of customers that are taking stock up, but then they're refunding the front end product. Customer support will see that 30 days before you do. Absolutely. On your statements. So no, I, 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 sorry, sorry to argue, but I <laughs> no, I, I love it. I mean, that's why we're doing this, especially live. It's so important because you'll have people on both spectrums. And that's why I asked the question, because yeah. I see it both ways. Uh, we have brilliant offers on MaxWeb where we make hundreds of sales every day. And the product owner has his own mid. And how Emma said, you know, uh, he's super informed. He knows what he's, what's going on and, and whatnot. But then we have a bunch of uh, products where we are the um, AOR. Uh, but those product owners decide to go with something like ClickBank or BuyGoods. And they've been doing this for the last 20 years, right? That's all they know. Indifferent of, you know, them making 800 sales easily every day. They don't want to deal with the mids. They don't want to deal yeah. with the customer service. They don't want to deal with anything because that's what they've been doing for a really long time. So, you know, from my perspective, I, I really see it both. If I'm being honest, offers that make a lot of money on, on MaxWeb, you know, probably top three are the ones that have a product owner that has its own merchant account and they do their own processing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I a lot of guys and i think it's the old crew i know you guys said you're doing this for a couple of years i see the old crew of people that were doing this maybe 12 14 years ago uh when they could say anything on a platform <laughs> like uh buy goods or clickbank or digistore i'm naming all all our friends here uh and they are just used to that i think it's even if it makes more sense for you to be informed and do your due diligence as a product owner, they are so used to using a platform like that, that 20 years later, they're like, okay, well, you guys handle all that. But I personally love giving people options, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that difficult. And you're very serious about your product. Why not get your own merchant account? And, you know, I, I'm obviously biased I, I, or I'm trying not to be. Uh, but Emma made a good point. I mean, again, I, I've seen both of those work very well. Um, mm -hmm. However, if you're very serious, I do think you should be very involved and very aware to what's going on. Yeah. Well, even refund or chargeback or how your mids rotation, it, it's, it's going to happen. I think it's a good analogy is to think of it in terms of like, um, you get simplicity with a lot of these platforms, right? So that's like, right. that's the huge benefit. And sometimes simplicity is worth it, right? But you, on on a, like a platform that tries to serve everybody, you're never going to have it optimized for what you're doing. Right. So I think that's kind of maybe the difference is like, if you really want to get the, you know, the biggest squeeze out of, out of the, the orange, um, mm -hmm. setting up those systems to allow you to, to take advantage of the opportunities to optimize it will allow you to get a lot more. Yes, it's going to be more work. Yes, it's going to be a lot more work. <laughs> a lot, a more, lot work. more work. But in, in it, you have to be a student of marketing and operations and systems. And there's there's so many different areas that you have to now expand your understanding and be vigilant of watching or having a team or bringing people on that can help you. Can you do it on your own? Absolutely. If you are, probably the easiest thing to do would be a platform where it's simple because it allows you to begin to understand it. But once you've gone through that system, you know, a few times and you have some confidence, I think it's easier to, to then have some confidence in expanding into a system that allows you to optimize it. 
Um, I would say, um, uh, everybody's different, right? So, yeah. So when I'm giving advice, I come from a place of what we tell our clients. We look for a very specific client. We're not looking for someone that wants to throw something up and just make money and, you know, not really care about the branding of the products. We are very specific. We're, we want to make sure that the products that we're selling, if my grandmother was taking it, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like I, would I be okay with that? I take most of the products myself um, or I make my husband take the product because I want to know, do you feel sick? Do you feel shaky? You know? Do you feel any different? Is your hair falling out? Like what's, what's going on? We make sure that we're selling um, up for, and not everybody has those same uh, ideologies, right? So if, if you don't and you like, hey, I'm an affiliate and I just want to throw something up and I don't want to deal with hiring customer support and I don't want to, I don't want to optimize a checkout page. I love optimizing checkout pages. This excites me. You can't do that on those types of platforms. But if that doesn't excite you and you don't care about that, you just want something that's going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I said that right, but you know, you just want to throw something up there and then move on to the next thing and not really have to do, you know, a gazillion different things to scale it. Fine. Use that. But if your whole thing is, I want to build a brand, I want to have multiple products. I want to optimize every single dollar out of this one product. Cause that's marketing. And that's so exciting to me. Then that's why those are the people that we're looking to work with. And that's why I give the advice I give. So Travis. Yeah. I was going to kind of jump back into, cause we were talking a little bit about chargebacks and, and optimizing and refunds. And I think it's helpful for people to know when they're launching a campaign, the number one, in my opinion, like you very rarely have like real affiliate or real fraud, right. Happening where you have um, somebody stealing a bunch of credit cards and like jam them right. through your offer. Like it happens, but it's not, it's not it's not the most common types of chargebacks. The most common type of chargebacks, in my opinion, all boil down to just one thing, and it's mismanaged expectations. And so what's great about this, you know, because if I if I got a product, I thought it was going to be free, and then I got charged 90 bucks, right? Or I thought it'd be here, you know, instant download, and it took a week to cut, you know, to get to me or whatever is a physical copy, whatever, some expectation that's not met. And so the beautiful thing is when you understand that element of your business, what those expectations are, because from affiliate and from the marketing side and the offer, you're setting the expectation, right? You're setting that framework for your customer to go through. And so when you know the expectations that you're setting and you deliver on them, great, everybody's happy. But when you do have some chargebacks that are coming through, why are they charging back, right? And they're going to say fraud, but what they really mean is something other than real fraud. They're saying, it's not what I expected. Um, I didn't think it was worth the price I paid. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, I thought I was going to lose weight and I gained a couple pounds, you know, whatever. There's some expectation that was mismanaged. And so continuity, you, continuity, continuity. You, didn't, yeah. you didn't explain the continuity correctly to, right. to the customer. And then, and then they charge back everything. Instead yep. of just the one bottle you sent them, they charge back. Well, you know, we a lot. Oh, yeah, you, you allowed them to buy six bottles and then you allowed them to be put on continuity where they got another bottle, the seventh bottle 30 days later, and then they charged back all 90 seven days bottles. later. Or, yeah, well, still, yeah, <laughs> still, same thing. And then they felt like you stole from them, so they right. charged back all seven bottles. We see it all the time. So, understanding, right. yeah, understanding the reason for that. Yeah. 
and and we talked about this even from like on the media side, like the co- more continuity you have between the the offer that you're throwing out there, the link, the headline, whatever it is, and then going into the offer page, the better you, you're at, at developing that continuity, the better your conversion rate is going to be, the better the customer's experience is, you know, as far as like the flow is easy to actually check out. Like that, that was some of the, the tidbits is like going through with a, with a really critical eye of the entire flow and experience of your customer will help you see if you have the right type of eyes and mindset when you're looking for it mm-hmm. will help you see what those problems are without having to experience all the negative effects of those. You'll get better conversion. You'll get better uh, continuity. You'll get better retention. You'll get you know lower refunds. You'll get lower chargebacks. Like all the things that actually drive profitability. <laughs> Well, to be clear, to be clear, you will not get better conversion rates on it. You you yeah. will not. If you're doing it, if you're doing it correctly and you're, you'll keep, you'll keep, a, it's, it's the profit point, right? So if I'm bringing in, if my conversion um, rate on my continuity is so high, but I have to give it back and I had to, yeah. and you're losing, so you're between product cost, processing fees and customer loss, you're losing so much more. But if you know, if you know how to do it, if you really test it and you know how to do it, you'll keep the money and the profitability is so much higher. Yeah, I meant continuity between like the the ad and the offer, right? Continuity between the headline and the like that's what I meant. You'll get higher conversion on that, making right. that continuity. But yes, re- regarding <laughs> confusion <laughs> on the offer on the back end. Yeah, you you the more clear you are. You know, if you're relying on. Okay, so um, this is also yeah. where we don't agree because he's a merchant account processor, right? So he wants it to be super spelled out. What I understand is, and good, bad, or indifferent, whether you agree with it or not, what I do understand is a lot of these offer owners count on the confusion to bring yes. in a, a lot of the money. And so there is a balance between the two. So Fair. you want you want the confused people that are so confused that they don't realize that the money is coming out of their account every month. I mean, that's the truth. I'm sorry, Travis, but it's, <laughs> but you want people who are going to notice to notice that there's going to be continuity so that they can at least cancel right before you end up with all these charges from product loss, shipping loss, right, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a balance between the two. And this is again, where Travis and I have a dynamic that's, I started out with, Hey, look, it says it right on the checkout button. If you were too stupid to read, well, that's your problem. There you it know? is. Yeah, there it is. You should have read that that print underneath, like that's your fault. But then, you know, after some years of working with Travis, you, you know, it, he- But the customer is always right. Isn't that the American? Um, <laughs> that's that's why they get the refund, right? That's, that's why we give them the refund, no questions asked. But if you can find that balance where you're letting the people know who are going to be diligent enough to see it on their checking account statements, but also hiding it enough so that the people who wouldn't notice still aren't noticing, you get to keep a lot more of the money, hence making it profitable. I agree. I really am yeah. pro the balance because I have seen amazing offers on uh, they've made a lot of money, uh, completely die because of having a very aggressive recurring aspect. Uh, we have seen, I mean, over 15 years now. So we've seen amazing offers that die just because of the, the crazy VIP and referring, like right. recurring. So I am really pro the making things clear. I'm all about performance marketing. I love it as, you know, to be as aggressive as we can be, because guess what? Even the big brands, and I say this all the time, uh, you have L'Oreal and Revlon and, uh, 
Vichy, like European cream brands that target my Facebook every day and tell me I won't have wrinkles if I use them by tomorrow. So yeah. it's they can be as aggressive as they want. We should be the same, right? I call it performance marketing. <laughs> so here's here's the difference. What is your legal budget? This is what I say to my clients when they ask me how aggressive they can be. Well, what's your legal budget? Right. If you don't yeah, have one, then you can't. L'Oreal's legal budget is like a billion dollars a year. I'm making that up, but I'm just saying, like that's you have to you have to balance that out too. You have to. No, yeah, I, exactly. They, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, those yeah. bigger companies, those bigger companies, literally have a budget for when they, you know, someone comes after them for being aggressive because yeah. those Damon Wright from Gordon Reese, another plug. He actually explained to me that the vast majority of people who find themselves in trouble for aggressive claims don't find themselves in trouble from the FTC or the FDA. They find themselves in trouble from a class action lawsuit from exactly. consumer. Or a very upset and customer. So, and so the, what yeah. they do is it's checks and balances. So L'Oreal says, well, we're doing $98 million a month of that. We may have to pay $9 million out in settlements plus, you know, 10 million in legal fees once the settlement's created. But if we didn't do this, we would lose, you know, half of the revenue. So they just go ahead and gamble that for smaller guys. I think there's compliant, aggressive marketing that, exactly. makes, that, that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in, in my humble yeah. opinion, yeah, no, you have your claims, make it, you know, use your claims and whatnot. But when it comes to people's money, make it very clear what they're going to be charged and when I've seen that work, like yeah. <laughs> really Value add, value add, value add, value add, value add. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you want to take someone's money, give them a bunch of stuff for free. It's ridiculous what they'll agree to. Um, seriously, like spend yeah. a little bit of time writing eBooks that bring them value, such mm -hmm. as if you're selling a weight loss product, giving them a cookbook with 20 weight loss recipes and true weight oh, yeah. loss recipes, not garbage, like yep. stuff that tastes decent. Um mm -hmm. Hire someone on Upwork for fifteen hundred bucks to write you five um, ebooks and give it for free with your product. Give it away for free. Yeah. Uh, the value add, the value add is huge. So you're giving me sixty nine dollars, but I'm not only giving you this product that I could be selling for one hundred ninety nine dollars, but I'm also going to give you a bunch of books that I could sell for two hundred and forty nine dollars. And so I love that, like just value add, value add that. You don't have to get crazy in your claims if A, your product is good and two, you know how to tell people how valuable it is compliant mm -hmm. because you can, you can say anything. I can't say I'm going to cure your diabetes, but I can come through on the copy and make you think that I've said that without saying it. Mm -hmm. It can be done. It takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, but it can be done. And so as long as you captivate them in the beginning so that they're watching or reading long enough, you can relay any message to anyone. You don't have to be an asshole about it. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you guys can believe this. We've been chatting for like 54 minutes. Uh, I, can't believe <laughs> I, really, I, uh, I really would love if we can touch base on, uh, we will just have to do this again. I mean, uh, one podcast was not enough. We'll, we'll do this again. But I really would love for you guys to touch base on two things. Um, Emma, you mentioned earlier that you love to do the split test. Um, if you're an affiliate or a product owner that doesn't know how to do that, 
where do I go and find someone that can help me on the split test? Or do I just use a CRM that's that's making that easy? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say just go use a CRM that's making it easy. And the the reason is, is that you have to truly know how to read the data. So one of the things that I love, I was actually introduced to split tests. I'll be careful what I say here, but I was introduced uh, with split tests with someone I was consulting for for over two years who mm-hmm. split tests so many variations. <laughs> and he thought that this was the most brilliant thing in the world because he had like so many different variations going at the same time. The problem was, is that he had so many variations going, you couldn't get enough sales in to actually get the so end all on the data. Yeah. So he thought he was being brilliant by having these 32, 46 variations of split tests running. And I thought it was, it made total sense to me when he explained it to me. And then as I've worked through other clients that have been very knowledgeable in split testing, one of the things that I love about working with clients is I learn from every single one of them. They all have something so fantastic to share. And testing on a smaller level, getting those test results quicker and turning them over and knowing what to test next is huge. And there are Facebook groups. You're in a lot of them, Anna. Travis and I are also uh, direct response marketing uh, um, what is it? Directors partners. Uh, Direct response marketing partners. Yeah, that's group. actually yeah. my that's my personal favorite because the quality of solid. people is solid. Yeah. And D doesn't. If you're irrelevant, you don't get to stay. Like if you're not able to add, no, I don't want to say add value because you can be someone who knows nothing that's just asking questions. But as long as you're interacting with people, exactly, and, and you're present. You're kind, which come on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're kind we we tear each other up a little bit. It's kind of fun. But um, but no, seriously, like it's going in and asking those things, creating relationships with a few people online that you see. Um, I mentioned Adam Pivko earlier, so I'll mention him again. Travis is another one. Um, people who I know that I can just literally write on their wall or write in their messenger. Hey, what do you think about this? This is what I'm about to do, but be ready for the answer, right? (laughs) Because the majority of us, Travis pussyfoots around everything, but the majority of us are very blunt. Like that's stupid. Don't do that. And that's all we're going to say about it. Um, So be ready for when you throw it out there to get information back. But if you want to start doing split tests, start a conversation in an online group for direct response marketers. Where do I start? Where do I go? Because there's no little class out there that actually tells you anything. I love it. It takes advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, it takes. And direct response marketers, we're performance based. So we're all crazy. We're all narcissistic. We all have huge egos. So therefore we love to teach. We get oh, yeah. You don't you, you, you love to teach. No, it's love, true. Yeah, and love it's really more for everyone. The competition you, is like right, right. You go to two retail stores that are sitting next to each other and they're just gonna do stuff all day to try and get the other one shut down. We are the exact opposite of that. It's right? better to, we're better together. We're be- Travis says it all the time, but oh, yeah. we're, we're better together. If I can share what I'm testing with you and you can test, it may not work for your offer, but at least it might put you in a huge pivot ahead of time. Yeah. If I've worked with a distributor that didn't get you know 295 pieces of product out one day and caused me to really get in trouble with my merchant accounts. And I can tell you, hey, don't use them. At least I'm, you know, you have an up that way. Community is everything. And going in and just saying, hey guys, 
What do I do about split testing? How do I do this? Here's where I'm starting. What platform should I use? Should I use VWO? Should I use Google Optimize? People are going to ask you questions. How much is your offer selling? How many split test variations are you doing? What are you trying to split test? I've gotten great, great. And I'm, I, I like to say that I'm kind of experienced and I kind of know what I'm doing, but I've gotten some great advice, particularly with the weight loss product that we have running right now that I'm just kind of baffled about because I don't have enough money to throw at it. I've gotten some wonderful advice from people on how to keep moving in a direction uh, at a slow rate, unfortunately, but keep moving in a direction where I'm able to test and able to get it. So, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I say this all the time, take advantage of the community and yes. we are better together because if uh, on a product, we get more customers in our industry, uh, we can send emails on other lists and we can make more money from that one customer. So when we say we're better together, it's yeah. a pragmatic it's a really pragmatic slogan because it's really going to be something profitable for all yeah. of us. Also, um, make friends with your network AM. Send oh, yeah. Me, I give them gift cards like crazy. I will send <laughs> gift cards. I am a gift card queen. I'll send them Echo Spots. I don't, I just want to be your buddy. You want to know why? Because you know better than anyone what's working. You may not know what people are split testing, but you know what's working. And mm -hmm. if you can get in with them, they'll start sending you some because it works for them. If they can get your offer scaling, they make more money because they're all on commission. So, hey, totally. I, I have this I have this off joint health offer and I just can't get it off the ground. Can you send me two joint health offers that are crushing it? Mm -hmm. Tell me why. Tell me why you think they're crushing it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Well, you guys, we 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 crossed the time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to. No, I I love it. This was so entertaining and fun. I I can't believe it's been an hour. So uh, you have to promise here live that you will be <laughs> with me again. So you have to say yes. Absolutely. Yeah. We love hanging out with you. We appreciate you coming on our podcast Absolutely. before as well. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun to catch back up. It's my honor. Are you kidding? I I mean, Travis, I like you, but Emma, I love you. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Totally fair. That's everyone. That's everyone. Yeah. It's uh no, it's I'm I'm everyone knows. I'm not a feminist, but I love other women, uh, especially in the industry, because I mean it doesn't matter. And Emma knows this. I it, it's not the gender that matters, it's uh, you know. Results. The beautiful power uh, that people put out there, and you know, uh, you guys do that. So, thank you again. I really, really, really appreciate you. And uh, we'll go through the question, guys. I saw questions in uh, in the chat on Facebook. We will go through the question, and the account managers are gonna try to reply to you guys. Um, and I promise we'll do this again, and we will give you guys the opportunity to ask more stuff live. For the pro I've seen a lot of processing questions come through. Your account manager is not going to be able to answer those. So what we'll do is we'll have our executive assistant, Julie, go through after Yay. and send them all to Travis and then post all the answers. We'll get Travis to do it in a cool. day or two and post all the process. I saw a lot of processing. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's fantastic. Happy I really appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. This was fantastic.